podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? I'm sorry, Wilson. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that's definitely going at the start of the podcast. I'm just glad I've got my Wilson back. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd love that gift. I mean, I hate Callum Wilson, aren't I? But okay. Hello, so it's all a smouldering ruin as proclamations of patience swiftly gave way to Sunday night transfers and the transfer market in a frenzy. Yep, knees have jerked so hard that many have done their ACLs this weekend, just as minus fours and wild cards get wielded like nobody's business. Uh, stepping back from the maelstrom and observing it from the safe space of our podcast, though, uh, we'll try to find out what's happening and figure out how this all may shake out. I'm joined today, of course, by a very, very busy Nick. You all right, mate? How are you? Yeah, mate, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, permanently busy at the moment, but still got time to smash out a pod after another exciting game week. Just say who we are, we are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPO or at WGTA underscore Nick, and you can follow us there. And I assume you're listening anyway via one of these, but in case I can reach people telepathically, you can find us on all the pod repositories out there, um, such as Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, etc etc and remember to hit subscribe and give us a review if you enjoy the pod so uh, what are we talking about today well nick we're still a stats podcast without too many stats and we're recording on the monday night as well after wolves uh, man united due to time but we're basically going to go into this podcast with the objective of assessing uh, how good judgments are based on just two weeks worth of data and uh, we'll do this by looking at the past few seasons and seeing which players are smashing it um, during the opening pair and seeing how these judgments on those two data points alone performed over the course of those seasons and um, big thanks uh, to we rogue as well for that data but let's start off with the game with reviews then nick and I think it's going to be something we want to skip over quite quickly because after the uh, euphoria of the beginning week, well, for us it was muted euphoria, but after the uh, the rather toit scores that we saw everywhere else, uh, we've been brought back down to earth this week, haven't we, by some slightly uh, more normal scores, I suppose it should be said. How did you do? I thought I did pretty badly, but I actually looked around and it was, it was actually a pretty decent game week all in all with me, for me. It was 52 points, but... Um, yeah, no, it wasn't the biggest score in the family again, unfortunately. And we'll talk about that in a little bit later. But 52 points was pretty um, decent green arrow, it looks like, actually, for me. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was kind of like unusual stars, really, because um, it, was, it was Denders in goal, actually, um, Dean Henderson, um, getting me nine points. Um, sort of an unlikely clean sheet, um, you know, and not a very highly owned player. I didn't have Lundstrom, unfortunately, but I had Denders, and he got me nine points in goal. And Luca Dean get me his 11 points. He's absolutely smashing it. Hopefully he's not um, too badly injured. Looks like he's okay. And then a few goals just dotted around Sterling and Moore and King. But yeah, 52 points. Um, not a high score, but actually did pretty reasonably considering all of us had the likes of Salah and Robertson, TAA, those sort of characters that blanked for us, unfortunately. Yeah, no, not bad at all. I got 10 last year, 42. Uh, maybe the usual uh, divergence in our fortunes has begun a little bit early. But yeah, 42 points. Uh, started off with Nick Pope. We got seven saves against Arsenal, but still only managed three. Yeah, it kind of swiftly went downhill, really, um, after that. Only Luca Dean with the 11 points um, got me anything over 10 points in terms of returns. Raheem Sterling got me the goal, but 
other than that, it was literally a Dean assist, a Wilson assist, and a Sterling goal. The rest was just appearance. So yeah, 42 points. A little bit galling um, after the first week. I was hoping that the, the, the whole squad would shake out well in the first couple of weeks, but it just hasn't gone that way. And uh, movements have been made already, um, which is quite hilarious. Really. Yeah, it's hilarious because like, last week, obviously, we were talking about... Um, you know, patience, you've got to all sit still, we've all got to sit on our hands. And the dichotomy between this week and last week is amazing. And I think before we go into our kind of our two weeks enough data, um, a really good pivot is to talk about wildcards quickly. Uh, a good question here to springboard off is wild to be wildcarding. So Rich Clark, who's part of Fans Football Hub, said that the overall temptation to wildcard after two weeks, because there are a few good options out there now, is obviously uh, taking hold over the FPL community. But, but maybe a more patient approach may also have some sort of mileage in it. You may be able to acquire those sorts of assets progressively between now and the international break. Uh, so what do we think about wildcarding right now? And uh, are we doing it, <laughs> basically? <laughs> uh, I think you probably guessed that I'm not. Are you, Nick? Are you considering uh, pressing the button? Are you like Dougal Maguire and that uh, gif that we love? So at the moment, I'm not wildcarding. I've got two free transfers. It was never part of my plan to wildcard this early. Now, I can certainly understand the temptation. I'm, I'm looking at the mini wildcard, what we discussed last week, making free transfers. I've even considered four, as you, as you may have seen from the images I sent you on on uh, WhatsApp, Tom. But I think I'm probably going to keep only to, uh, to free transfers at this moment in time, potentially a minus four. So I think I'm going to probably hold on uh, to my wildcard, at least until the international breaks here. I know there's one in game week four, eight and 12. So um, you'll have two weeks to kind of tinker around, play around, see what happens in those fixtures as well, because a lot can change. I don't really want to use it this early. It doesn't seem right. It seems like um, there'll be a change, a shift in the form, shift in the players, shift in the template. And all of a sudden you'll see a bunch of people wildcarding and you'll, you'll be gutted that you haven't got yours anymore. So, I mean, that's my concern. I think I can sort of fix the team in three or four transfers anyway. So, I think um, I don't want to make too many changes. So, I think, yeah, for me, the wild card uh, will stay where it is for now. But as I said, I do understand the temptation. A lot happening in the last few weeks. We've seen um, a bit of a fixture shift as well. So, Bournemouth, a lot of people are in Bournemouth for those first two fixtures. Their fixtures are stiffening now. They've got Manchester City up next. We've um, seen that the Liverpool double up or triple up even in defence isn't quite working, perhaps because of the goalkeeper injury. Um, and, you know, Chelsea and United starting to go on a really good fixture run, Manchester City as well. And these players that weren't really in our thoughts at the beginning of the season emerging as well, like sort of Mason Mount, Timu Puki, Martial and uh, Sadio Mane. So definitely lots of reasons to wildcard. But I think um, I don't think it's necessary for me personally at this moment in time. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you, actually. Like, as I tweeted today, like, I totally understand if you're one of the few people um, who wish to wildcard now. Like People like very, very good managers, like our friend BNM Matt, uh, with the Kane Salah set up without any city. Uh, ditto uh, our friend FPL Stag, uh, who's been on the pod a few times, actually. A disappointing uh, first game week, and he like pulled the trigger just to make sure that he could catch up with the chasing pack. Um, for me, I can't really decide at the moment to what extent wildcarding to get the team everybody else is going to wildcard to is a good or a bad thing. Like we, we have, we've only got a few options. Like the good side of it, I guess, is that you can accelerate now into what looks like a decent sort of place. But the bad thing, as you just mentioned, Nick, is when the current twin plate breaks, it then gives people who've held their wildcard an opportunity, right? For me, I think there's merit if you can make your moves in a minus four, like I've done, which I'll talk about later on. I think that you've you're considering or you probably or you have done that if you pull the trigger yet but like with that minus four you can still play the market like a lot of us have 
done that minus four to basically catch rises. You can get a team close to the wild carders. And to be honest, some of the players, like you can retain the faith in them. The more I think about it, two data points, right? If I was at work to present a trend and say, we need to do this, that, and the other based on two data points, I'd be laughed out of the room. Uh, let's think about something else in terms of FPL, Tasman theory, right? If I presented findings, decisions, you know, uh, conclusions, whatever, on just two points of data, you'd be like, well, what are you doing? Okay, I've taken a hit, that's the nature of a game. But like the wild card feels very precious and taking a nuclear option, if you don't really need to, seems a bit mad. And you've also got that kind of game week 18, blank week, um, this side of Christmas for Liverpool to consider. But I'm going to try to hold my wild card. I don't know if I'm going to make it that long. In my situation, my team is at comfortingly not too far off what people are wildcarding to. Like I can get there in, a, in, a, in another minus four. So if you're not too sure, I take a look and think about what we said about herd mentality. Like the twin impulses of greed and fear are taking over. Greed for the price rises and points and fear not having players like Martial that we saw tonight caused another kind of grounds for the people thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm wildcarding now. But as you said, Nick, it's all going to change in, in next week, right? Like we've only got two data points. All in all, it, it does feel like for some people I can understand it, but for others it feels like it's got a whiff of overreaction to me. So I, I can kind of, I can see both sides, but it's very much down to your situation, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if you are like a few of the people you mentioned starting struggling a little bit with your early selections, it hasn't worked out. It is very tempting to pull the trigger. I just feel personally like as soon as you use that wild card that's it it's gone you won't get another one until you know game week 19 game week 20 so you're always going to be chasing those other people and you'll be chasing the template you're already a little bit behind so you know if you stick with your original draft it might be that those players suddenly hit form and and start um performing for you and then you've you've got rid of them you've you've followed the people that are ahead of you who then have their wild card still to bring back your original draft. As you said, it's only two two data points. We've got a whole season ahead of us. It's it's a, a little bit of a risky move, but as we said, it, it can pay off as well. So, by all means, I'm not I'm not going to say anyone is wrong for wild carding. It's just uh, not for me at this moment in time. Yeah, exactly. I want to be the vulture swooping in afterwards when everyone's played their wild card and their teams are broken um, and I can get a shiny new team and push on. Um, but this that links in very nicely to the data work that um, we've had a look at, uh, which basically is over the last three seasons, 16, 17, 17, 18, and 18, 19, uh, looking at the top 20 players in terms of the first pair of game weeks, uh, in terms of points scored overall, and then seeing how many of them actually ended up in the top 20 overall for the season. And some of the findings are quite interesting, aren't they, Nick? Because overall, the headline finding is that unsurprising players seem to end up continuing to perform well. They start well, and throughout the course of the season, they'll, they'll end well. But there are a few interesting players, aren't there, Nick, in the, uh, in the early sort of game weeks who do form early bandwagons, but end up just uh, obviously falling by the wayside as those uh, wagons get derailed spectacularly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we looked at the data and there were some interesting characters that had appeared. We even saw um, in the top 20 back when we first started the uh, the pod, Alan Yom was in the top 20 uh, scorers back in 17-18, uh, which was a, a little bit of a surprise to see his name after the division um, that we gave him for that 5.0 price rise. But um, if we start with 16-17, uh, we cut sort of the earliest data point that we have at this moment in time. 
uh, yeah, it was kind of the characters that you would expect to see there. We'd, uh, we've got uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, for instance, started big um, with sort of nine points in game week one, 13 points in game week two, and that was kind of the season for him. He remained in that top 20. And, uh, you know, Aguero was not far behind. He was actually on exactly the same points at that moment in time with 22 points as well. So Aguero and Zlatan were leading the way. They were the key men, but also... You know, doing well, some surprise characters. You saw the likes of um, James Collins doing quite well and uh, Etienne Capu and uh, Negredo, of course, as well, had a brilliant start for his Middlesbrough career. But then he sort of petered out a little bit over the course of the season. His points per game for the first two game weeks were 9.5. He finished up with a points per game sort of uh, around 3.6, which is still relatively okay for a player of his stature but um yeah very good start but wasn't able to sort of keep up that level of performance over the course of the season a few interesting characters in there of course you've also got the likes of gareth mccauley uh, scored seven seven points two game weeks in a row um and yeah i mean as you noted um zlatan aguero coutinho and uh eden hazard were the only four names who appeared both in that kind of top 20 after the first couple of game weeks and in that top 20 at the end of the season and like looking at 1718 it's a really similar trend isn't it so you know the likes of paul pogba romelu lukaku christian eriksen these were players um especially in the case of eriksen and lukaku who did very very well in the beginning and also ended up in the top 20 but you have the likes of ahmed hagazi who of course left a massive 15 pointer in game week one eight points in game week two um, but 23 of his 114 points were scored in those first two game mm. weeks and um, also you know the likes of Riyad Mahrez um, who actually did very very well um, and uh, Marcos Alonso who came out of nowhere who got zero in game week one 16 in game week two <laughs> found his way into the top 20 but again it's a very similar trend isn't it because the, the names of the players who are ending up in that kind of top 20 at the end of the season as well as being uh, in the top 20 for the first pair of game weeks are players you'd expect to be there uh, Christian Eriksen, Romelu Lukaku, Mares, Alonso and Vardy yeah all big name players all players that started well and uh, you know played well throughout the entire season but again there's some characters that sort of their early bandwagons on um, a lot of you know, not I wouldn't say hype, but a lot of sort of early transfers. And these were like, you know, the likes of the Huddersfield players, for instance, uh, performed very well at the start of the season. I think they kept a couple of clean sheets. So you've got the likes of uh, Matthias Jorgensen, Zanka, performing well with a 10-pointer in game one and six-pointer in game two. And you've got the likes of Jonas Lossel as well in the top 20 and Aaron Moy as well, who I, I can't remember if he got a couple of assists or picking up a six-pointer and a 10-pointer also being up there at the beginning of the season. So these kind of characters, and you mentioned Higazi earlier, sort of early bandwagons, early excitement that definitely sort of drifted off over the course of the season. And, you know, so it was the kind of the players at the, the lower reaches, the smaller clubs that had perhaps decent starts but couldn't maintain it over the course of the season whilst those big-name players, the likes of Mares and Lukaku and Eriksen, that did well at the beginning and were able to maintain that form over the course of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's not always true. Um, so, for example, Henrik Mkhitaryan opened that season with 21 points. But he only scored 107 overall. Um, he starts off with a massive 10.5 points per game, and that went down to 4.1. So there's always kind of a cautionary tale in there, in addition to the likes of Higazi, as we saw here, and also back in the 2016-17 uh, season, the likes of Negredo and Capu. Dear me, remember Capu. Oh, well. 
first three game weeks was an absolute god and then went off and did nothing, didn't he, for the rest of the year. And of course, last year as well. Last year, Sadio Mane absolutely ripped the template apart early on. 16 points in game week one, 10 points in game week two. And uh, Marcos Alonso, 11 points in game week one, 13 points in game week two. Sadio Mane did make it into the top 20, unsurprisingly, but uh, Marcos Alonso didn't quite. Um, but yeah, again, quite a few names showing up here on the list, aren't there, Nick? Yeah, some big name players that started off very strongly and uh, maintained it over the course of the season. Of course, the likes of um, Andrew Robertson had a really good start for the season last season with an end pointer and seven pointer, sort of 18 points in the first two game weeks. And he finished fifth overall in terms of points. Fantastic season, especially for a defender. Mane, who you mentioned, Aguero being up there as well with that famous 20 points in game week two, um, you know, doing massive things. And then also the likes of Salah and Fraser as well, both having really good starts, 17 points after two game weeks. Unfortunately, Ryan Fraser hasn't been able to match that this season but both doing very well Salah obviously being a top scorer over the course of the season and Fraser finished as the um, 11th highest scorer so really good start for Fraser and he was able to maintain it over the course of the season which um, perhaps wasn't expected at that moment in um, in time perhaps we all thought it was a bit of a blip for Fraser a bit of a you know a decent start but he was able to manage it over the course of the season and proved to be a really good value FPO asset over the course of the season. Yeah, he did. Um, it's just such a shame that it hasn't quite happened. And uh, now he's no longer in my team. Uh, exclusive reveal. Um, I, I completely expect him and uh, Wilson to uh, absolutely smash me uh, next week. Uh, but yeah, overall, the overall findings of this are that last year, 8 out of 20 of the initial high scorers got into the top 20 overall for points, and then 5 and then 4. Uh, so it's, it's, less than, uh, it's less than you might expect, perhaps, um, in terms of the players who are going to proved to be a good long-term purchase. I mean, I've obviously got to kind of feed in form and feed in fixtures to that. Like some players I'm not going to be over the course of the season, absolute every week, six points per game. Uh, that's probably unfeasible. We'd all own that player. But I think that's quite interesting in terms of just thinking, well, are two data points enough, Nick, to really be making kind of wild card and big decisions? Like from looking at that, it just feels like making the move, like buying Kevin De Bruyne seems like a good idea making the move to buy a Raheem Sterling uh, with a minus four seems like a good idea. And buying those players in the wildcard seems like a good idea. But tearing your team apart to buy, I don't know, um, I may be proved wrong, but uh, like uh, the likes of Anthony Marshall or wildcarding to try to fit Timu Puki in because he's, he's risen 0.2 seems a bit too far-fetched for me. I, I don't want to be like party pooper sort of guy, but I just want, I'm just a little bit kind of concerned that there's a lot of overreaction going on, you know? And if you are, aren't in that sort of space where, the wild card is worth playing. I just, I'd, I'd be very happy to just take a minus four or even a minus eight and hold that wild card back. So I think the gain that you can get from using that wild card later, once you've got more information, is, is a lot better. I'd be inclined to agree with you, but I'd also contest that perhaps the likes of Martial and Timu Puki will be able to maintain it over the course of the season. Um, it could be that he's finally Martial's breakthrough season in terms of where he's playing for, for Manchester United in that number nine position. Um, the fact that he seems to have the manager's backing as well and that he looks in good form, perhaps at 7.6 million as a midfielder, he, he is worth taking the hit for to get this kind of guy into your team before he becomes too expensive. I'd say there are other players out there perhaps that, you know, you shouldn't be looking to transfer in. And I'd say maybe, you know, the likes of Ndombele picked up a goal and an assist, but he's not, he's not known for his attacking prowess. 
you know, taking lots of hits to bring in these guys, perhaps not too sensible. But I still think, you know, the likes of Puki and the likes of Martial are definitely players that need to be strongly considered um, as players to bring in. But, and they're the players I'm considering, as I said, but you should be able to manage it without doing too many transfers and having to do the wild card. Of course, if you're missing out on Sterling, you're missing out on De Bruyne, then um, I understand the likes of, you know, BNM who said they need Manchester City attacking coverage. Why the wild card might be pulled in that particular instance? Yeah, exactly. I, I, obviously, it comes down to your team, and we're not saying don't wild card if you judge that that's what you need to do. However, we're just trying to sound a bit of a note of caution, have a look at some information, have a look at some data in the absence of uh, proper game week data, I suppose, or data trends this season so far, and uh, try to present a different perspective. But take all of these things under advisement, make your end decision, and uh, good luck, whatever you decide. But we'll talk about our moves um, later on. All right, let's take a break there, Nick, and move on to the features. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back. We're going to do our usual feature section now. This is our weekly uh, staple uh, where we talk about a few things, the market forces, we update on the over-30s team, the Nick Pick versus the Tom Pick, the zombies. And uh, this week, I think we're going to have a look at Dad Watch after what Nick was saying to me. Uh, it sounds like he's been doing incredibly well uh, as an FPL newbie. So I think we should just, uh, for, for these first few weeks anyway, just just watch and the delight in his, uh, his, his amazing progress. Uh, but we start off with the market forces, which is where we uh, check out the economy, check out the market and uh, look at the movers and shakers and wonder why that may be nick uh, what have you been seeing this week so yeah it's over to the 99th precinct and it's, it's a pookie party for many but unfortunately it's not for us timu pookie is absolutely smashing it on the market forces right now with over 460,000 transfers in so far at time of recording which is just an absolutely ridiculous number to see it's four goals for timu already and a hat trick against newcastle the market are clearly very excited about this this uh, new uh, signing to the Premier League. And um, Norwich actually have Chelsea at home next. It's a, t- it's a tough fixture. It's, it's not the easiest next three fixtures um, for him. They've got Chelsea at home, West Ham away, Manchester City at home. Before the fixtures get really nice for Norwich, it's Burnley, Crystal Palace, Aston Villa, Bournemouth. Probably going to be essential at that moment in time if he does well in the next three but, um, yeah, I mean, I do understand why a lot of people bringing this guy in very kindly priced at 6.5 million, now up to 6.7 million. So, um, and yeah, he's, he's rising rapidly in terms of price as well. So a lot of people looking to jump on and, and catch those price rises. So, uh, a player that's definitely on the radar for many and a lot of people bringing him in. Have you brought him in, Tom? Yeah, um, funnily enough, I've actually brought in each of the top three players. <laughs> such a such mm-hmm. a casual. Um, yeah, Puki came in for me uh, for Callum Wilson, who's a top sold forward. Almost 100,000 managers have dispensed with Callum Wilson services. We all know how that ends. We've all seen the movie. I've seen the movie. We know that Callum Wilson's going to score against Man City. Calling it right now. But I still got rid of him because I preferred to sell him rather than selling Mo Salah for Sadio Mane. Yeah, we can, we can just see that, that volleyball floating away in the sea and Tom's like flailing around shouting, I'm sorry, Wilson. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Wilson. But, yeah, no, um, hopefully that move works out for you. I'm sure it will. Obviously, Wilson with um, the Manchester City game up next. A lot of people selling him. But um, actually, the top um, sold player right now is a bit of a surprise to me. And I'm, I'm not too sure what to make of it at the moment. Mo Salah being heavily sold, over 160,000 transfers out for him. It's, it's worth calling out that Salah is actually currently the third highest scoring midfielder in the game. 
Um, he's only blanked once. He, he did very well against um, in the opening fixture with a 12 point. Um, just uh, yeah, but it's, it's, the stats aren't particularly impressive. But as you said, it's, it's very early in the season, and I'd, I'd expect big things from Salah. I'd also point out that um, they've got Arsenal at home next, which is a bit of a tough fixture, obviously. But um, in four appearances against Arsenal, Salah's managed four goals and three assists. So the opponent really isn't a particular concern for him. You might remember Tom, actually. You didn't own him at this moment in time, but I captained him last season at home to, to Arsenal. A bit of a maverick move that really paid off for me. So um, for me, Salah's a keep. Um, I don't know about you. Are you hanging on to him? Are you setting? Well, I, I did keep him. It was actually quite a tough decision because I was considering Pukki um, in for Wilson. I was considering Salah out and then and Mane in, as I said a minute ago. And I did, in the end, kind of cede and uh, go for Pukki just because I, I had the spectre of Jimenez over me. Like last season, I think I ignored Jimenez for quite a long time because other people had bought him first. And I wanted to find the new new bandwagon, if that makes sense. This year, I'm going to try to learn a little bit from that. And the... Uh, just jump on the bandwagon with Pookie. I mean, I know the fixtures aren't that great, but oh, we'll speak about him a little bit more later. But yeah, I think that that was worth it. Um, I've also, as I mentioned a second ago, bought the second and third most signed players this week. Uh, Danny Chabellos, uh, Daniel Onions, uh, has been bought by almost 275,000 managers after two assists and looking mightily impressive, actually, uh, for Arsenal versus Burnley this weekend. And Kevin De Bruyne, after an, a yet another impresario performance against Spurs, uh, 208,000 managers brought him in. Uh, but it's a very interesting one in fourth. It's uh, John Lundstrom, Nick. Before we talk about Lundstrom, um, let, let's talk about Trebeos first. And yeah, as, as you say, it's something for you, your Arsenal fans to be excited about. Definitely um, adding a little bit of creative flair to that midfield. But he, he's not particularly renowned for his goals and assists. He's only um, had seven goals and four assists in 100 La Liga appearances. So it might be that it was a bit of a blip. He's certainly one of those players that... I can see later on in the season, we were like, remember the Chabeos wagon at the beginning of the season after a couple of assists and it just completely died. But not necessarily, to be honest. I don't want to you know, say for certain he's only 23 and he's um, playing a little bit more attacking freedom um, that he might have had when he was in Spain, uh, playing alongside the likes of Guendouzi and Shaka, uh, who sort of played a more defensive role perhaps in that midfield. He, he certainly could do well and he's, he's pretty kindly priced around 5.5, 5.6. So um, certainly understand why people are attracted to him, but they're, they're also not going to be playing Burnley at home every every week, are they? And they've got a couple of really tough fixtures, Arsenal, Liverpool and Spurs up next. But um, De Bruyne is certainly a player that I do understand strongly why people are bringing him in. And I'm, I'm starting to view him as an almost essential myself to, to get this guy in. Uh, through hell or high water. And uh, yeah, City has some great fixtures coming up next. Bournemouth away, Brighton, Norwich, Watford. You know, he's looking like he's going to be a key player for them this season after obviously being um, injured for the, you know, pretty much the whole of last season. And, uh, you know, the the stats are already ridiculous. I know we talked about only two data points, but in terms of chances created, he's, he's, he's had a ridiculous 12 chances created so far, six a game. So um, I can certainly see lots of goals and assists coming his way over the, the course of the season. But yeah, Lundström, uh, 4.0 million out-of-position uh, defender who, who scored this week and, and smashed out a 14-point return. Um, you know, a lot of people bringing him in, which I can understand from a wildcard perspective, but... I don't know if he's the kind of guy that you want to be wasting a transfer on when there's perhaps uh, bigger issues to sort out in your team. And he's probably another case of a kind of character that did very well at the beginning of the season, but won't necessarily be able to 
continue over the whole season. Yeah, certainly. I feel like um, if you look at the transfers out, Robertson, 105,000 managers have sold him. Uh, I feel like that's what people have done uh, to try to basically afford the likes of Kevin De Bruyne into a midfield. So, like, uh, Robinson to Lundstrand would ba- basically enable you to do, I don't know, Fraser, um, who's actually been sold the second most of 150,000 managers to De Bruyne. I suppose that that's kind of the enablement thing that people are doing. But it's just like diehard out there at the moment. Like People are making so many changes and swapping each each week, as we see at the start of the season every year. like The numbers are, are pretty crazy. Almost, I'm sure by the end of this week, half a million people will have bought Timu Puki. Like, Do these numbers surprise you after last year, Nick? Um, no, I'm not surprised, to be honest. We, we see it every year. We see lots of movements. We see lots of knee-jerking. It's, it's, um, it's, it's always the case. I think after game week one, it was pretty quiet, perhaps because most people were looking at their teams and seeing sort of 70, 80-point um, returns and thinking, actually, my team did pretty, pretty damn well. There's, there's not too much surgery that's needed. But after a, sort of a game week where there are more scores around the 40 points, the 50 points. And, and players like Puki, you see getting 17 points just on their own, which might be half some, some teams' totals. You, you could see a lot more market movement, certainly this week. And uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised at all. Even though I might preach patience, I'm never surprised to see the sort of the, the frenetic market movements that are happening. So yeah, um, Robertson being heavily sold after two blanks, but, um, bit worrying as well so I've got three players of the top five most transferred out um, at the moment in Salah Fraser and Robertson Bilver as well 117,000 transfers out time recording uh, didn't play the first game blanked in the second so uh, people are getting reared uh, also Raheem Sterling fifth most transferred in player uh, that's no surprise at all to be honest 150,000 transfers in I mean, I said De Bruyne's essential, but Sterling is, is, is sort of definitely essential. You, you need him, and I think he's definitely the standout captain option for the next game week. Yeah, uh, he, he could well turn into the auto-captain Dinos Jaws, really. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Bournemouth, Brighton and Norwich next three. God, if you don't own him, I can, I can see why completely people who didn't own him and need to do surgery to buy him have pulled the wild card. But yeah, there might be less price movements this week, actually, if people have pulled the wild card after a, uh, a bit of a poor week. Uh, speaking of poor weeks, let's move on to the over-30s. So this is our over-30s team. Nick and I have both hit uh, 30, and we decided to make a team of players who are in our age range, our it's generation. Just, there aren't any, are there? <laughs> no, no. This we're, is just we're, a bit of a problem. Looking at that Manchester United team, yeah, the Get the youthful Jesse Lingard leading the line as well in terms of being the <laughs> oldest outfield player. It's just, it's just worrying for our generation. I'm certainly being very old right now. It's not surprising Rolls and Lingard is a young player. But yeah, um, this week, uh, the over-30s, uh, they've managed their 45 points, so they beat me by three, uh, thanks to Jao Moutinho uh, sliding the ball over for Ruben Neves, who will no doubt be the next bandwagon. We all need to buy him because he scored as well. He's definitely worth wildcarding for. Um, uh, getting eight points tonight. And that takes them up to 45 points. Um, at the back, Hugo Lloris uh, got, got a three points from saves. Johnny Evans, Jevons, uh, managed to somehow nab a bonus in the 1-1 uh, with Chelsea. And uh, Seamus Coleman got five from a clean sheet. Uh, but you know, Sergio Aguero scored a goal. And Aubameyang, the captain, uh, scored and got a bonus as well. Um, a little bit of depressed return for Aubameyang because they yellow card. I need this yellow card earlier on. Uh, but yeah, 42 points. And to be honest, like my unspecified family member wishes they could make more transfers, but I'm not too sure that we can because we, our, our pool is so limited, especially in the midfield. Our midfield is Moutinho, MacArthur, 
David Silva, Pedro and Jack Cork. Really struggling to find another over-30s option that's worth considering. Maybe Mesa Ozil when he's back and playing. But we're looking forward to the 8th of September when Gilfie Sigerson uh, turns 30 to anchor that midfield. Because it's a pretty desperate state of affairs at the moment. But we've got to hope that Vardy, Conegrero and Aubameyang carry the team um, up front. Yeah, of course. We did miss out on the uh, James Milner assist, though, didn't we? Maybe he's the man that you need in the team. I don't know. But yeah, um, okay-ish performance. But yeah, as you said, really struggling in that midfield right now certainly okay uh, let's move on to the nick pick versus the tom pick and um, this is something that we started last year the nick pick was a, a very kind of boring conservative pick which was uh, going to probably get you points every week uh, but not be particularly exciting as they go about it think you know yam batong and and uh, the tom pick we paired it with that's the uh, ultimately terrible fpl but could be good one game week sort of pick and nick you actually beat me this week uh, with your uh, van dyke getting two points i chose callum robinson who went off injured before the 60 minute mark so <laughs> You only got one. Excellent. Uh, yeah, pretty, a, a pretty poor outcome for everyone concerned. In keeping with the uh, sort of style of this week just gone. So, who's your Nick pick this week? So this week I'm, I'm going to go with Aaron Wambasaka. I feel like he, he's becoming a solid member of that Manchester United back line. He's a bonus point magnet as well. He looked like he was going to be on for bonus points today, despite conceding. But then he got yellow carded and um, unfortunately missed out. But we talked about his numbers um, at the end of the season, just the amount of tackles, the amount of inceptions he was involved with. And he, and he looks just so um, so solid defensively. This game week, I was watching him against Wolves and I was just so impressed by his performance. He was um, he's very strong at the back, um, very much a, sol- a solid right back. Looks to be nailed on. And um, yeah, the United play Crystal Paris. I mean, Crystal Palace look absolutely shot this season. I can't see a goal coming from anywhere. So I, w- I would put uh, Wambasaka down for a clean sheet against Crystal Palace and then maybe a few cheeky bonuses. As I said, he's a Baps magnet. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it, we are so niche, aren't we? Because like across lots of DM groups and uh, our Slack, like so many people were celebrating when Wan-Bissaka got that yellow card. Like, it's just so bizarre that that's the sort of thing that makes us happy when we're watching the football. Uh, dear me. Well, I mean, people have got watching Netflix or they've got, I don't know, playing Candy Crush. This is, this is our version of that. Gets us through the week, doesn't it? My Tom pick this week is uh, uh, Hung Son. I think that he's probably one of those players who won't figure in that many wildcards because he hasn't played yet. However, um, he featured very very prominently in preseason for Spurs and looks fit and, and should be ready to go for Newcastle at home. The same Newcastle who let Timu Puki score a hat-trick past them. And yeah, I'd, I'd be expecting him to really come in and make the difference for that Spurs team. Obviously, it's a little bit of a, a, little bit of a risk um, because we don't know whether Lucas Moura, who did score off the bench, is going to be preferred. Uh, but Son is one of those players who really could make the difference for that Spurs team. Um, obviously, last season, 12 goals and 8 assists. And the season before that as well, 12 goals and 8 assists. And he's got it in his locker really to, to to make the difference for, for your boys so I, I'm going with Son this week one of my favourite players in the Premier League incidentally uh, behind Aubameyang and uh, Kevin De Bruyne cool uh, let's move on to the zombies then Nick and uh, yeah a bit of a, a bit of an emasculating week really for me in terms of the zombies because they beat me again um, and I'm actually second in my mini league to my own zombie team uh, the hilarity of uh, what happens at this time of year, I suppose. The Zombies got 46 this week, so they shaded me by uh, by, by the four points. Uh, Captain Salah didn't do anything, obviously, but Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Luca Dean and uh, Josh King 
uh, scoring the penalty in the third minute, I think it was, against Villa, uh, did enough. Get my hands specified down with the 46. But again, they slightly beat me. Um, so I'm just behind them in the uh, head-to-head that I've set up. But a very, very good tip, actually. If you want to keep an eye on your zombies, but don't want to keep bothering your unspecified family member for what the password is, set up a quick little mini-league with you and them, just so you can click in and see what's, what's going on week to week. Uh, how do you do, Nick? Yeah, that's not a bad shout, actually. Yeah, my zombies did all right, actually. Um, pretty similar to how my, my main team performed. They finished up on 49 points. Um, Kevin De Bruyne getting them 11 points. Uka Dean in the team as well, sort of being the key key players. Uh, Madison and Rashford both picking up assists. Unfortunately, they've missed out on the uh, Wow Muntino assist, though. Vertonghen didn't play, but the first sub is Mason Greenwood, and that one-pointer from Greenwood means that they miss out on the Muntino five points that stay rooted to the bench so um a little bit of bench swapping going on there unfortunately for the uh, for the zombies in terms of the points but uh yeah i think that was a pretty reasonable um score for them but i managed to beat them which is always good as well yeah that is always uh, very very useful <laughs> i think at the start of the season we always see the zombies accelerate way up into the upper stratosphere some of them uh, but hopefully by the end of the season, the goal is to beat the top guy, which I did not do last year. <laughs> there we go. Um, uh, turning our attentions quickly to the Zombie League, obviously we have literally just finished the game week, so it's not updated. Um, however, uh, at the top at the moment, it's Brogan Douglas with Munchen, uh, Munchen Bloodbath. Um, I removed so many zombies last week uh, for triple capsuling on game week one or bench boosting on game week one. And I've also quickly removed lots of zombies for wildcarding, but I'll be having a proper sweep through um, this week just to get rid of people basically logging on my unspecified family members account and get that done because there are a lot of people who seemingly can't read or seemingly are hoping to go under the radar and um, for example i've just clicked into one guy now who's taken a minus four come on dude just read um in second though i want to give a quick shout out to our friend death star fbl um, who's uh, sean of the dead team is uh, actually second uh, he's in the top 10k nice. in the world and uh, he got 59 points this week aaron wambasak only got in the one uh, but sterling captaincy kevin de bruyne and the hero that is eric lamella got him 12 points against manchester city so what a differential that is but yeah um it is Brogan Douglas who looks up the pace tester at the moment, but we'll give a full-on update next week because it's bank holiday and hopefully we can record uh, after the game's updated. Uh, the final thing this week, Nick, is um, Dad Watch, which is a, a, an impromptu feature that has only occurred because your father has absolutely smashed it, hasn't he? Yeah, he's doing absolutely brilliantly. So I set, I set up a team with him um, over the summer, just a couple of weeks before the season started. And we kind of talked about who to bring in, what kind of players. And we kind of just went through the uh, the choices. I gave him a bit of guidance, of course, because he's um, he's not played fancy football before. He, he's not as into football as I am, though he is into football. He just doesn't watch as much as I do so he knows some of the players at least but um, yeah I gave him a bit of guidance and he's uh, he's set up such a, a quality team in the end he, in game week one um, he scored 92 points asked me if that was a good score of course <laughs> damn, damn good score Sterling captain 40 points Rashford 13 Lewis Dunk 11 points KDB 7 Dean 6 Lucas Moura 5 oh, TAA 5 it's just ridiculous and then um, he also had Sadio Mane in his team actually in game week one even though I told him to transfer him out because I said he wasn't going to play, he didn't get around to it. But that really, <laughs> that really paid off in game week two because he um, he captained Mane. Um, oh it was God. the best choice for a captain, and that was a twenty-six point return. 
the Mane. So he got 75 points this game oh, too. Um, it's like KDB again smashing it and Moore and Sterling and Rashford, Luca Dean all getting points. He's, um, I think he's uh, close to the top 10 actually. You know, you've got the assist mini deep now. So he's, he's right up there, um, right, at the, right at the heights of um, FPL glory and sort of 6K in the world as well, which is just in ridiculous really but um yeah doing very well actually um sort of segueing slightly to the um the mini league actually we don't normally cover it um, at this moment in time but i thought it's worth covering actually the the, the guys that did the, the best actually ignored our advice completely and uh well wild card did tom i don't know if you had a chance to look but there's a there's a few guys in the top 10 that did pull those wild cards um for instance we've got uh the number one guy at the moment it's not quite updated looks to be number one Sep graham um, he wild card with Clan Graham divided, and he got 103 points this game week, which is just oh. ridiculous. With Mane captain, Puki, um, and uh, Lundstrom, John Lundstrom, and Mason Mount as well, all scoring in points. And then we've got a few other guys like Stephen Stannard, wild carded, he got 90 points. Um, and then, yeah, the other guys, sort of Sydney, Sydney with mirrors, he free hitted actually this week as well. So it looks like those that sort of didn't listen to us and and hit that wild card that sort of really, uh, really paid off. We've got an- another guy, um, Mem U, uh, with Arsenal getting 91 points after a wild card as well. Um, sort of Mane captain in um, Tom, uh, sorry, Todd Cantle uh, getting 10 points. Uh, Timmy Pookie was 17 as well. Uh, so, yeah, a few, few interesting uh, picks there. A um, few people not listening to the, uh, the over-management chat and uh, getting some really good scores, uh, including my dad. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out for throughout the end of the season. Oh, my cousin Todd did very, very well this week, didn't he? Right, let's take a break, there, Nick, and move on to what's now the question section. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? We're back, and it's um, time for our community section. Um, a little bit where we talk about what's what's happening uh, for who got the assist at the moment. And of course, we're doing our regular feature on Love Sport Radio. If you like um, Love Sport, you can tune in for our fancy football chat with Johnny Burrows, which is um, weekly on a Friday at around six o'clock, um, where we just talk about the fancy moves. We've got a bit of a mini league uh, going on with the guys as well, so a little bit of competitive banter as well. It's it's all good fun. Uh, so, yeah, check out um, us at Love Sports every Friday at 6pm. Right, let's move on to the questions then. Um, quite a few things this week. There's quite a few bits and pieces. And the universal question, I think, which will probably feed into a lot of our answers, is about playing the market. A very, very good question by the secret FPL player, whoever he is, asked us if there's any value in playing the transfer market aggressively. Is there a correlation between TV and OR, so team value and overall rank, or is team value a byproduct of good picks and form? And uh, this also links into another question by uh, FPL Panic, um, who I assume is probably not panicking. Uh, form versus fixtures, an age-old question, but which you give him more weight to for transfers, form or fixtures? Um, so Puki has got good form and bad fixtures uh, versus Perez, who, whose fixtures really get better, uh, but obviously are showing very, very little. Um, let's start with those first, and then we might start to look at a few teams, including you know, United, Puki, Spurs, etc. Yeah, I think um, in terms of sort of playing the market and, and trying to move aggressively, I think there definitely is value in that, especially when you look at the market at the moment and the, and the price rises. You know, there is a certain bit of pressure to make those early moves. I've always said, or oh, wait until the last moment 
But in a week like now where there's, there's not really any football being played in the midweek, I think it's only Wolves on the Thursday and I don't own a Wolves player. So there's no concern about, you know, any injuries um, in at least, you know, the Champions League or the Europa League where we say always, always avoid breaking that Austin rule. I think certainly this, this game week is, is a game week where you can get away with early moves and you do need to be very worried and um, concerned about the price rises. I mean, I've looked at some of the moves that I want to make and, you know, a minus eight will be my only way of essentially getting Martial, KDB and Timu Puki all into one team. And I'm not actually going to do that minus eight, but, you know, if I wanted all three of those guys, I'd be forced to take a minus eight purely because of the price rises, meaning that even though I've got a 0.5 million cushion currently in the bank, because Puki's already risen twice, Martial's risen once, KDB's risen, Fraser's dropped in price, I'm essentially using up that 0.5 already just because of market movement. So I'm essentially losing that money because of all the changes that have happened, which I haven't been, um, you know, on board and on top of. And if I'd made the move early, which I probably wouldn't have, I'd, I'd have a little bit more surplus in the bank, a little bit more to play with. But I think there definitely is value in, in acting aggressively. If you got on these players straight away, then then you've, you'd have um, you'd have cashed in. You'd, you'd have absorbed those rises. You'd be looking at your team value now, thinking I'm on about 100.5 million, looking strong, and uh, you know you'd avoid avoided the price falls as well. So you can be hit for double whammy with the likes of Fraser falling, and you know the players that you're bringing in, the likes of Martial rising as well. So I think there definitely is a you know there is an argument towards that more aggressive play trying to catch those moves of course i've always said that you know a four point hit is not is not worth 0.1 or 0.2 tv the points is what you play for not the team value team value is just a secondary element to the game but it, it does make a big impact later on in the game when you're, you're looking at your team and you're thinking if i played a bit more aggressively i'd be able to afford the likes of kdb and the likes of mané um and when you might look late and you're like, actually, no, I can't afford them because I, I didn't get on those players early enough. Yeah, exactly. Our mate Kissy, um, FPL Jossie, absolutely loves doing this. He's an absolute master at it. And last season, he had a, a crazy, ridiculous team. It's just the case of getting in on those price rises early. You've got to act like the Pontiac Bandit, really, in terms of just trying to get hold of those kind of players and getting them as their prices rise. And, and some people are very, very good at doing that. And later on, you can see the benefits. So, by game week 30, you will see a few people who have just got absolutely crazy teams because of the fact that they've got all of that money in the bank, as Nick mentioned. And we are quite good at the moment because there's no European competition apart from for Wolves. So there's very few midweek games. There's no FA Cup. There's no League Cup. There's less chance of injuries happening apart from freaks on the training field. Like you know, last year, Burnley crashed out early against Aberdeen. So there was no um, midweek sort of panic going on. And on the subject of panic, um, uh, the forms versus fixtures debate, at the moment, there isn't really much form and there are two weeks of data but it's quite difficult to build a trend out of two data points i don't know if anyone's ever tried to plot two data points onto a chart but it looks ridiculous so you can say okay we think there's going to be form coming it's going to be a bit of a pump but having those fixtures married up with a player doing quite well is is a good idea it's a shame the likes you know pookie for example has chelsea next but no after watching them play leicester you've got to be thinking well pookie can get to be honest and so it it is a bit of guesswork at the moment it is about following the market sentiment as Nick kind of uh, infers and it is about kind of just thinking well what players are likely to be able to sustain this we've been saying during this pod I'd agree with you there I mean going back to sort of uh, yeah panic's question there I think you know you, you can look at the form and say right 
these players have done very well at the beginning of the season, but there is always going to be that fixture shift as well. And uh, yeah, the likes of Iose Perez have um, held him for the first two game weeks. So I was sort of one, one of the big advocates online on Twitter, unfortunately, yeah, for Perez. And now I'm getting a bit of stick off the back of that um, in the Slack group because of uh, because of his blanks. And he, yeah, he has looked a little bit of out of sorts so far for, for Leicester, I'm not going to lie. And he's certainly on the chopping block despite the... Um, despite the good fixtures that are coming up. So um, I, I think you have to kind of find that balance. It's only two data points, as Tom said. But, you know, if a player doesn't look um, in form, then, and there are other players that are absolutely smashing it, players that look absolutely essential and key, then you sometimes have to, you know, um, dive, for in, dive in for them. But there are players as well that you've got to look at and try and find those players that do have form and do have the fixtures. And, um, Anthony Martial is the one that I've got my eye on at the moment. Scored a couple of goals, Crystal Palace, Southampton, Leicester, West Ham. He seems like the guy that I, I need to bring in right now. That's the perfect segue because my next question is <laughs> United, bye, 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 question mark. And that's, uh, and that's what Jeremy Lewis has asked us. How, how much how much do we like United? And um, I, I haven't had United coverage and that, those fixtures are are um, pretty decent, as I just said, um, and uh, I think I actually think you you could probably cover both the attack and the defence. Um, AWB was obviously the Nick pick this week, um, but there are a few other options in the back. You've got Slabet um, with a little bit of goal threat. You've got De Gea for the saves, um, and De Gea obviously um, could be a decent goalkeeping pick. Just nail on, just leave him um, as a set and forget option. Now United are looking a little bit more solid. Um, at the back, I know they conceded tonight, which we were very happy about because of the high ownership of the United defenders. But they might be one of those teams that you just have to cover defensively and potentially attackingly um, as well. Pogba obviously missed a penalty, and Rashford um, looking pretty good um, as a striker um, as the forward of the team. But it's actually Martial that's playing the number nine, and he's one million cheaper than Matt Rashford. He's out of position. He he's the one that I would pick obviously I've, I've been critical of Marshall in the past over the past few seasons saying that he's overperformed and uh, you know he, he always, he, always uh, he doesn't get too many goal attempts um, compared to other players but absolutely like Mane he's just clinical so yeah what, what do you think of United then Tom I know you didn't go for any players as part of your free um, move no definitely not yeah no I didn't Nicolaj and the, the reality I guess is that I, if I'm not wildcarding, I've got to make a choice, really, in the midfield. I wasn't quite in the position to bring in Martial and KDB. As you mentioned, maybe with minus eight, I could have done it. With minus 12, I could have done it. But I think I'm happy to stick with minus four for now and hope that KDB basically outscores Martial. I do like Martial, of course. I've got to hope that he has that um, role sewn up, I guess. And, and over the course of the season, I think he'll be a very, very good investment. I'm prepared next week for Crystal pa- for that Crystal Palace game to be a bit of a riot. I'm just hoping that the players that I've got, for example, my double Man City midfield, um, Man City have got an out-of-this-world XG right now, for example, even based on just two games, partially due to that massive chance creation rate by Kevin De Bruyne, for example. Um, I'm just hoping that the players that I've got are going to be able to outscore the fact that I don't have Martial. Um United defence, I'm I'm a little bit unsure on at the moment because I know that like I was a little bit regretful last week about Maguire and not not buying him first. I think I prefer him to uh, to AWB because he was, he was actually a very decent threat uh, when he was at Hull and at Leicester. Uh, however, like in that Chelsea game, um, if Tammy Abraham had had converted that first half chance of hitting the bar, I don't think there'd be a conversation there. Um, so Emerson, I, was it Abraham? 
Yeah, I think they both hit the bar, didn't they? Um, yeah, they both hit the woodwork, I think, in that game. If either of those goals had gone in, I don't think that we'd be too worried about the ownership. And you know, during the game, I think that it was quickly, it was kind of a rising torrent that people were kind of saying, well, I might be looking at buying a Man United defender now. I, I don't know. I need to see some, ev- some more evidence, I suppose, of solidity. But it's a very easy move down uh, from I don't know, a TAA or a Robbo or something like that. So I can see why people are doing it. Um, I think that the goal they considered today is probably going to stem the tide of people buying in. Uh, but it's definitely on my radar um, for game week four, basically. We're going to have two free transfers again. Um, the next question, I just mentioned it a little bit, is Liverpool double defence. Uh, so Jim, uh, our friend from the FPL Fantasy Footy Show podcast, and Ben Pelling also asked if uh, we should bail on Liverpool now, basically, in terms of double defence. And our friend, our statistician, uh, Mitchell Sterling, says Liverpool defence had XGA of over 1, 11 times out of 38 last season. This season, both games, they had an XGA of 1. Should we be waiting for game week 4? Burnley and Allison returning before we have a fire sale or should we be getting rid now to finance other options like a lot of people seem to be doing um, he says that he's still battling to get 14-15 clean sheets this season um, double Liverpool defence both got them both got the same two players TAA and Robbo what are we doing what are you doing so yeah I think I'm going to have to ride through this fixture to be honest with the other changes that I want to make I can't, I can't be um, sort of shifting Robbo or TAA out at this moment, despite the Arsenal at home fixture not looking particularly friendly compared to um, what some other teams have this game week. But then I, I just look ahead, to be honest, and after that Arsenal game, they've got Burnley away. And you, you have to think they're going to get a clean sheet there. And, and then Newcastle at home, that's, that seems to be another home um, home banker. And then, then it's, it gets a bit tougher again with Chelsea, but then it's Sheffield United. So um, plenty of um, opportunities for clean sheets coming up for Liverpool. I'm a little bit... Um, I mean, I'm a little bit disappointed, obviously, with what's happened so far. Um, the Addison injury, was, was no, no one expected that to happen. And obviously the Adrian Howler, um, off the back of that, mean that they lost the clean sheet against Southampton. They've been quite unlucky in both their games to lose their clean sheets. But um, as Mitchell said, um, you know, they're, they're there not just for their defensive um potential for clean sheets but they're there um, because they're very good attacking players as well um, TAA got that assist in game week one uh, Robbo's had a few chances as well um, to get a few assists but um, yeah been blanks um, for Robbo both game weeks and a blank for TAA and a yellow card as well a little bit disappointing though I found actually it wasn't actually that damaging to my rank because everyone seems to own these guys as well so that kind of mitigated the damage to a certain extent but it looks like a lot of people are now selling the likes of Robbo and, and bringing in um, you know some of those Manchester United defenders or um, the likes of Lundstrom apparently so uh, one to watch but I think for now, I'm going to hold these players and, and focus on sorting out the midfield and attack. But I think for um, for wildcarders, I think um, it's certainly uh, a case for perhaps uh, doing a little bit of a shift to in terms of where the uh, the money's being spent. And uh, so, what so what do you think, there, Tom? Yeah, no, I probably I probably agree. Like to be honest, let's look at that Liverpool Southampton game. We were one Adrian terrible attempt at the pass in, in over 80 minutes away from a double clean sheet. Like It wasn't very far away from a very good game week for a lot of people. Like If Mo Salah had converted that one-on-one, this would not even be a discussion. So I, I'm not too upset like for the reasons you've detailed about TAA and about Robertson. Um, 
yeah, I can see how you can look at them and think, yeah, they're, they're, they're proper cash cows. I know that a lot of people are going to go down to one now. But in some ways, that may prove an advantage, actually. I, I'm not expecting a clean sheet against Arsenal because we always score um, Liverpool. I think Mane, Firmino and Salah have all scored against us very, very recently. Um, I'm not expecting a clean sheet there, but they have that other side of them. And I, I think that they're probably still worth holding. It just depends on you know where you perceive the fires to be and how much um, you need the extra cash like you know, even taking one of them down to, to VVD could make sense um, it, it's just one of those things really that you can't really legislate for the Allison injury um, and there have been other fires to put out when Allison gets back I think that Liverpool do look a lot more solid and hopefully that will coincide with the Burnley Newcastle fixtures I mean Chelsea away in game week six okay, good to you there. Uh, but I mean uh, next six games, I think it could easily be four clean sheets. Um, for a double, for a double clean sheets, twelve points plus bonus. I don't know. I think that could be worth holding on to. There is long term value at the end of the day, and that often rubs up against short term gain. It's going to be difficult. I think by game week four for the international break, I could be looking at them again, thinking, mm, "Am I going to even take zero point five as I mentioned to get down to BVD for that Newcastle game?" But yeah, I'm going to be holding on to them for the time being. Um, but if you need the money to buy a Kevin De Bruyne or a Raheem Sterling with that Manchester City run coming, um, I completely can see why you're going to be doing it. But I'm probably only holding myself. Um, the next question, Nick, is uh, about your team Spurs. Um, FPL 80-20 vision says he needs some advice on Spurs value options with their great run of fixtures coming up. Uh, so they play Newcastle and then Arsenal, Crystal Palace, Leicester, Southampton, Brighton and Watford. Yeah, no difficult games really um, out of the next few matchups there. And yeah, uh, value is uh, is all around, I suppose, um, because of the, the slight uh, downgrade in price that a few of their players saw in the defence. You've got the likes of Lamella, you've got the likes of Ndombele. Uh, who would you be looking at, Nick, in the kind of uh, value options for Spurs, if anyone? See, I mean, looking at the fixtures makes me a little bit concerned about my sort of plan to, to sell Lucas Moura, but it's just a little, it's just so much rotation risk at the moment with Spurs, I feel. And Moura especially, I mean, he didn't start um, this game week, though he, he came off the bench and scored a header somehow, so um, he, he's certainly going to be in Pox Forts for, for starting next game week. Uh, Lamella as well, um, you know, he's not typically in the starting 11, the best 11 of Spurs, but he's had a really good start to the season, uh, picking up a goal and assist, 12 points against Manchester City. He's definitely in contention. Your man, you mentioned, Hummin Son. So obviously, he's back from suspension, so he's certainly um, going to be in you know, contention for the, for the starting 11. They've got, obviously, Locelso, Lo he's more central, um, more of a central midfielder-type role. You've got Ericsson, who missed out on the first game, but then came on and, and looked the business. And, you know, I just, I just can't fit one in right now. And uh, I don't see how um, anyone can. Can't fit one in, name your sex tape. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you. I think that it, it kind of feels like there's no room at the inn for Spurs to some extent. I can completely understand why people are looking at them. Uh, but if you don't decide to go full on uh, Harry Kane like, uh, like Josh and Brandon have, for example, um, I, I just don't know. I'm really not sure where you're going to go with your pick. I mean, if Christian Eriksen does stay, he's one to bear in mind, but definitely one to buy in. It would be some for me. If I was wildcarding right now, I would probably throw him in. Uh, 
on the proviso that he's probably going to be elevated into that Spurs team and provide something a little bit different for them. Um, Lucas Moura can play that role. But as you say, the rotation risk is just so strong with them. Um, you can't confidently buy a player and, and think that you're going to be playing them every week. You're going to have the likes of Dion Donka coming off where you are going to have a one-point a disappointment as they come off the bench or something like that. I personally actually still have Kyle Walker-Peters, Nick. Um, the forgotten man. Uh, mm-hmm. Pochettino said this week in glowing terms, Carl Walker-Peters, when Carl Walker left, he was fifth in the pecking order. Now he is playing. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but um, he does seem to be a bit of a body on the pitch, at least. I'm hoping he plays versus Newcastle. And to be honest, as I mentioned, that, that run of games are okay. Like, at 5.0, having that cheap Spurs cover, he could well actually turn out to be an unsung hero in my team uh, despite uh, at the start of the season me thinking yeah I'm going to keep him for a couple of games and then ship out and other mm. fires have meant that I'm probably going to end up saddled with KWP for quite a while and I've got to hope that he uh, has a free assist sort of game in his locker and isn't supplanted by a crazy Serge Aurier or something like that on the right back uh, but we, we shall see we shall see I, I, I'm not no, I, I wasn't too impressed when I watched him but five million is a decent gamble isn't it all right, next question is on Pukki. Uh, so Will Bill asks the question that many of us are thinking about. Is he the real deal? Is he the new Jimenez? What do you think, Nick? Well, at the moment, he's, he's looking like a fantastic bargain, isn't he? Obviously, off the back of um, scoring a hat-trick um, and uh, scoring in the opening week against Liverpool as well, I'm, I'm certainly not going to be, be criticising him and, and saying, no, he's, uh, he's not the real deal, he's going he's to be rubbish. He, he looks pretty damn good, doesn't he? And uh, I can certainly understand why people are bringing him in, like, um, you know, in huge masses, as we talked about in, in the uh, market forces. Um, and, and it does present a personal dilemma for me because he, he would go in quite well, but I've just got... I'd have to do a minor say, and I don't know. I just don't know about the minor say right now. So a little bit of a, little bit of a situation I personally find myself in. I kind of, I do like him a lot, though. I think he looks very good. I think he um, certainly um, can uh, match what Jimenez scored last season for sure. So yeah, I know you're obviously a fan of Puki as well, having transferred him in this game week, Tom. Yeah, I, I didn't really legislate for Puki coming in, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I've not had invites to so many parties in the past the Jamie Vardy party being the first one and uh, him and his last season until very very late on so I, I kind of feel like it's worth doing um obviously very very early doors uh, but Pukki's had the most uh, shots of any striker the most shots in the box of any striker and the most shots on target of any striker in second Nick Ashley Barnes Nine attempts and six on target. All of his 10 shots have been in the box. And what I really like about him, as I said in the last pod, is that he makes up for the fact he has not got much pace. Quite a stocky guy as well. He's not like your classic kind of athlete type. But what I love about him is his intelligence. Like He just uses that kind of extra sense of nous uh, to really pick on the player. Um, who looks a bit weak. And he did that against Newcastle, against Liverpool with Gomez. And he's got the kind of all range of finishes in his locker. The tap-ins, the nice uh, shots on the spin and the worldies. Like, he could well be the new Jimenez. Obviously, it's very, very early on. Uh, but I don't want to let that pass me by. Like, last week, well done if you got him in. I would never have considered selling Jota or selling um, Wilson against Villa to buy him. Um, so now's the time to buy him for me. And it also nicely fits into my KDB but I'm I'm quite happy about him and you know okay he's got some poor fixtures but he did score against Liverpool and 
obviously we've got two game weeks, so I haven't really got much much bigger rejoinder than that. But he's going to take a lot of shots this year. And it looks like he's far more uh, accurate than uh, Mr. Mitrovic, who took more shots than the others for his last season was. Um, obviously, we, we don't know whether he's going to turn into a Mounier or if he's going to turn into a Jimenez. He could turn into a Mitrovic, which is some sort of middle ground where he's going to do okay in the, in the beginning and then be someone you can sell. But hopefully he'll get something next week. Hopefully he's going to get me a little bit of profit. And then I can sell him on again if he does nothing. Like a 6.5, 6.6 for this sort of striker. Okay, why not? If it helps you to fit other players into your team who are, who are better than what you currently have, buying Kevin De Bruyne over Fraser, brilliant. Uh, why not give that a go? And he would have risen a lot. I know why that people are saying, all right, hold until uh, after Man City. But... Often, oftentimes, probably he's risen by a lot. 0.5 could be the difference between owning, I don't know, uh, Kevin De Bruyne or having to settle for somebody lower. Um, so get him in as, as, as early as you can, I think, is my kind of idea. Just hope for the best. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out because there's so many other players in that 6.0 to 6.5 bracket, aren't there? Um, so yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite keen on that. And after how Chelsea defended against Leicester, as I mentioned earlier, I don't mind. I, I'm, I'm happy to own him. Right, and the final question is uh, is a bit of a combined one. It's on the foxes and the cherries, um, and it kind of leads in very nicely to transfers and captains as well, which is why I put it here. Um, But Neil Baxter asks, is it time to opt out of Leicester and Bournemouth? Our friend Jeff, who we met actually at the WGTA Summer Meetup, Nick, at Captain's Pick Pod, um, says that he's looking at selling Fraser and King uh, and is now the time. Um, so a couple of teams who have disappointed um, in those first two game weeks, um, Ayose Perez, particularly for a lot of people, uh, for Leicester. Obviously, if you had Madison, well done, you did all right, you got an assist. Um, but apart from that, um, those players those uh, haven't particularly set the world alight and uh, are right, perhaps, to be selling to enable something else. Uh, what do you think about these two, Nick? Uh, you can probably guess what I've already done, so I'm not going to talk too much mm. about this one. So I think definitely with Bournemouth, I've got a double Bournemouth attack at the moment. And just looking at those fixtures and what Ryan Fraser's done so far, I think he's definitely on the chopping block, especially when you compare him to some of the other options around that price point who we've mentioned already. So with the Bournemouth players, you look at Fraser and you think actually he could be easily swapped for Martial or King easily swapped for Pukki with a little bit of surplus. Um, I think it kind of makes sense to get rid of those uh, cherries. With Leicester, I mean... They've had Wolves and Chelsea as their first two games. They're not, they're not the easiest fixtures. Um, and they've got Sheffield United and Bournemouth up next. So you're kind of like, mm, doesn't really feel that comfortable to sell a Leicester player at this moment in time. I think if you've got the likes of Fardy in your team, for instance, and he obviously is blank, and you're looking at some of the cheaper options, you might be like, hold on a second, I can, I can you know, swap for Pookie and I've got an extra 2.5 mil to play around with or even more than that. So it's, it's kind of tempting, I understand. But then you think actually Pookie's got Chelsea, um, Vardy's got Sheffield United. Do you want to be selling Vardy at this moment in time? Probably not. Um, same with if you've got Madison as well. And um, Perez is the one I've got, obviously. And as part of my plans, he does go. And it's a bit of a, it does seem a bit dangerous, to be honest, to be selling a guy when he's about to play a team like Sheffield United. He's definitely going to punish me, especially considering I've got Denders in goal. It's just, I'm just going to open myself up for complete punishment next game week by getting rid of Perez. But um, a bit of a concern in terms of his performance is not really getting involved in the play too much. Still, still seems like he's adapting. But we know from Ayazi Perez that he's a top-class player player that's that's why we brought him in and with the with the uh, switch into the midfielder he seemed like a no-brainer at the time but now it's looking like they're 
few better options out there. You know, other players we haven't mentioned, like some Mason Mount with the um, the fixture shift for Chelsea, can very strong as well. Same as you, like I just kind of thought, well, he looks like the new guy at work. He doesn't quite fit in yet. Like a lot of the time, he looked like he was getting in the way of Ricardo Pereira and uh, James Madison's link up. A lot of the time, he was like just saying, "Oh, pass me the ball," when he was like in the middle of nowhere making awkward runs that no one was really looking for. He will adapt. Um, probably around game week 30, which is when Jose Perez decides to show up. Um, but I, I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm not too sure. I, obviously, those good fixtures next, you, you can imagine that um, he may punish you, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Mark Albrighton play, you know, and Perez be given a rest because they played a lot better when Albrighton was on the right wing. And so I, I just don't really, I, I don't know, I, I'm not particularly interested with him. And obviously you've got the likes of you know, Andre Gray and Harvey Barnes still pushing for a start Do you, as well. you mean Murray and Ashley? Oh, yeah, yeah, dear me. This is why, Nick, we need to use you Just, like, just call Dre, Dre and Hans. Yeah, Dre and Hans, there we go. Job is done. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of lost us about a million listeners, hasn't it? But there you go. I mean, I mean it's um, one of those things, isn't it, where you've got um, Andre... Sorry, where, where you've, one of those things where you've got Damare Gray or Harvey Barnes just um, pushing for a start as well as Mark Albrighton. And they seem to just play better without him. And I, I think it would be the case of integration, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Rodgers had noted how much more fluent they looked without him on the pitch because that right wing position basically... Yeah, it didn't seem to be working there. Uh, so by what I've said, um, you probably have guessed that I've removed Ayozo Perez and I've also removed Fraser and uh, Callum Wilson. Mm. So I'm very much looking forward to next week when Ayozo Perez bags a brace and Wilson and Fraser um, renew their partnership against Man City. Oh, no, um, <laughs> but to move on to the transfers and captains, um, I have I made a minus four um, on uh, Sunday night, which is probably the earliest I've made a minus four in quite a while. I hated doing it absolutely hated doing it but the market is what the market is at the moment and I'd have been locked out and snookered further on if I hadn't have made the move I think I'd have had 0.0 basically in the bank to make the move today but who knows that 0.3 could come in really handy that I've got in the bank at the moment and because there's no European fitness I thought well it's probably worth the risk and so yeah I've removed Ayose Perez, uh, Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson and I've replaced them with uh, Kevin De Bruyne Danny Chabellos, um, which is a little bit of a punt, but it's 5.5, um, so that's worth a punt. Look very, very good for Arsenal. And uh, I've uh, put in Timu Puki up front. Uh, so, yeah, three fairly decent um, transfers in, and also in line with the market sentiment by the looks of it. To be honest, as we said in the preseason pod, the obvious moves are obvious for a reason. Those three look fairly obvious moves, so I'm going to do that. I did, as I mentioned earlier, think about Mo Tamane, uh, but I decided I, I wasn't too upset about keeping Mo for the time being, but that one million I acknowledge to move in the future. And next week, I'm going to be captaining Raheem Sterling, and I think I'm going to be keeping it on Raheem Sterling for the time being. Uh, what about you, Nick? Have you made your moves yet? Are you making them tonight? What's, what's, the, what's hmm. the deal? So, yeah, I'm probably going to be making my moves tonight. And it looks like I'm actually going to be doing three transfers tonight and all midfielders. So a little bit of a midfield shake-up. So the first um, man that I feel like I have to bring in is Kevin De Bruyne. And he, he just, as you said, he, he does look great at the moment. He looks like he's going to be critical to that Manchester City attack. And, um, yeah, creating lots of chances, looking very dangerous. I feel like the next few game weeks, like, I can't go without him. I mentioned Martial as well as um, one of the midfielders that I'm, I'm really planning to bring in. The guys that will be leaving are Fraser, Moore and Perez. As, as I said, Moore, I'm worried about the fixtures. Perez, I'm worried about his performances. And um, with Fraser, it's again a case of the fixtures. Um, 
for the fixture shift. So the guys coming in are KDB, Anthony Martial, and actually the other one, Tom, um, because I'm not bringing in Timu Puki, I'm actually looking at your um, your second cousin here, uh, Todd Cantwell, um, you know, sort of former, former school uh, companion, a uh, very similar name to you, of course. So we're um, <laughs> probably call him Todd Cantwell for the for the rest of the season. Um, I'm sure our listeners' annoyances, but um, yeah, four point five million um, FPL Badger on Twitter, sort of Norwich fan, um, said that the way he's playing at the moment is hundred percent nailed and a great option in their all-out attack with two assists um, so far and uh, twelve points. So you know he he seems to be um, a decent coverage. Um, if I'm missing out on Puki. Why not get Cantor in and uh, he can pick up some of the assists <laughs> on the sides. And um, he, um, he was actually he was just behind KDB actually so far in terms of uh, chances created. He's had eight chances created so far in the opening two game weeks. So um, creating lots of openings there for, for Timu Puki. Perhaps if I can't afford Puki, then I can cover him with Cantor. But we, we've seen how that's worked out in the past in trying to cover players with uh, inferior players. But he's only 4.5, so it gives me a lot of flexibility in terms of the cash and allows me to... Um, afford KDB. I was considering Dendonka, but actually just thinking about the Wolves fixture on Thursday is just putting me off a little bit at the moment because I'm just and know there's going to be that inevitable injury that happens to uh, to one of the Wolves players. I know you've got two as well, so perhaps that's in the back of your mind a little bit as well. Yeah, oh, Todd Cantle, the uh, Kevin De Bruyne of East Anglia. Yeah, well, if it, I'd never have considered that, but yeah, no, yeah. good moves, Nick, by the sounds of it. And uh, who's your captain going to be? So yeah, it's, it's going to be Raheem Sterling, I think. You know, um, I could be tempted to do Mo Salah again, as it worked out for me last time he plays Arsenal. But that's too much of a risk. It's got to be Raheem, hasn't it, against that Bournemouth um, defence? Them were pretty damn terrible all season last season. I think he's the key man, the key captain this game week. And thanks for listening all. Just to say, of course, we are Who Got the Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA and Squepio at WGTA underscore Nick. You can listen, subscribe across the podding spectrum. If you want to join our league, the league code is EIKX03. And there's also a theme to every pod. Last week it was REM. So uh, well done to all the uh, listeners that emailed in or sent us messages on Twitter with, with all sort of picking up on some of the uh, the REM references that we, we dropped in amongst the pod. Yeah, well done to the person who picked up the Ebo the letter uh, reference that I got in. Wow, uh, that, that's good That's good knowledge there. Uh, anyway, we'll be back next week uh, with Game Week 3 on the Bank Holiday weekend here in the UK. Probably on the Monday night, we'll see what the uh, schedule and the Little Moses uh, lets us do. But for now, we hope to assist you and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Bye. Bye. It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Oh, no. Sports Social Podcast Network.